Welcome to Insert Title here, the fourth episode of the podcast brought to you by the Harvey Nash Group, where we talk to leaders about some of the biggest issues facing the industry today. And we're focusing on sustainability for these first six episodes as we build up to World Earth Day on the 22nd of April. On today's show, we're talking about Bitcoin mining in China as it threatens to derail their climate targets. We're talking about the perfect excuse to turn off your camera during Zoom calls. It adds 96% to your carbon footprint. And lastly, carbon neutrality. Is there an element of greenwashing going on when a company says they're planting trees? Plenty of insight, plenty to think about. Enjoy the show. So joining me for uh, another episode of Insert Title here, uh, I've got three more guests. Uh, first of all, Genevieve, do you want to explain who you are? And also, thank you for dialing in from Congo. So first of all, since I'm in the Congo and after two years, you'll get the name right, Genevieve. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just just blame that on my on my idiocy <laughs> and being British and everything and just so on the French side of the Congo, DRC, uh, it's really a pleasure to be here. Uh, I am the CEO of AgriLedger, and AgriLedger is a blockchain solution which is really looking at the supply chain in food and looking how we can drive better revenue into the supply chain, decrease costs, save money, you know, all those things in terms of value proposition, but not only looking at it at one part of the value chain, but across the value chain, and we have done an implementation in Haiti, uh, which is with the smallholder farmers working with the government of Haiti and the World Bank. And really, the next thing is about really becoming that company which looks at food and technology and how we can drive and customize solution around making sure that we can be more sustainable as a planet. And Joe, you're also in supply chain and sustainability, but instead of it being food, arrival are dealing in in um, vehicles. Uh, yes, so we're, we're concentrating on creating uh, zero emission commercial vehicles initially uh, with new forms of materials, components and uh, manufacturing processes as well. Uh, really trying to uh, to reduce emissions substantially globally. Uh, the, the vehicle industry has um, traditionally been quite guilty, obviously, of creating a lot of emissions globally. And uh, technology now is allowing us to do things very, very differently. So it's basically new forms of uh, electric vehicle initially with new forms of manufacturing to try and massively cut rigid, um, emissions, not just when vehicles are being used, but also as they're being sold and manufactured around the world as well. Absolutely. And look, our, our last guest um, is our uh, guest who's a friend of, of, of the group. Um, Keisha, you're uh, currently with, with Crimson. You're also a partner to Crimson as well moving forward. Thanks for, for taking some time. Do you want to just very quickly explain what you do? So I'm Keisha and I head up the strategic partnerships for Crimson and I also specialize in personal branding. Cool. So look, um, first article uh, that we've got today, taken from The Guardian, China's vast Bitcoin uh, mining empire uh, risks derailing its climate targets. This is news that 80% of the global cryptocurrencies trade uh, is powered in China, 40% of which is is powered by uh, coal. Obviously, as, as, as cryptocurrencies are getting uh, more high profile, I suppose, coming into mainstream, I think it was just yesterday in London, um, uh, there, there was there was some uh, climate change action at the at the Barclays offices um, because of the the increased kind of well perceived disregard from the financial services industry when it comes to the, the their impacts that they're having on um, on the climate and I suppose as they take 
uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin in particular onto their books as a more standard kind of currency, this this concern's only going to get bigger, right? It actually is only coming out out of the woodwork right now how involved the banks are actually becoming in being part of having their portfolio and actually letting it be known that their portfolio is nominated in Bitcoin. Um, this was happening two years ago. So in ways, it's nothing new, but because of the price hike, it has actually become much more knowledgeable uh, information to the general public because when something which you can't really touch is worth 60000 upward, you start saying, okay, what is this all about? And then we start looking at how it's generated. I think it's, in my point of view, it may be a bit of much ado about not much, because when we look at it, what the article didn't speak about was that 21 million is the limit and 88% has already been mined. So if you're telling me 40% of maybe 2,000 is what is going to be at risk and China is trying to do something about it, um, I would be worried more also about talking about the fact that Ethereum is still also doing the same kind of mining and how much of that is actually happening. So I think that we need to get better at the facts, you know, more detail in it, not just centralizing. But obviously, sustainability is also an issue, so we need to look at how we balance it. I mean, it, the article points out that I think it's 0.6% um, of energy use worldwide, which is kind of more than the Norway would be kind of uh, ex- uh, expended when trying to mine for cryptocurrencies, which is fairly frightening. And as you mentioned, there are there are other cryptocurrencies out there other than just Bitcoin. Um, it talks about kind of carbon taxes. It talks about um, restrictions on mining. What's the best way to regulate this? Has anyone got any kind of ideas ar- around what what we might do going forward? Because obviously, cryptocurrencies aren't going to go anywhere. Yeah. It's a very interesting question that, that you pose there as far as can we regulate it? Um, any, any new form of technology, uh, it usually takes a very, very long time to get regulated in the right way, and especially when it's a, a financial uh, technology as well. Um, and this is, I don't want to go um, you know too into morality here or anything like that, but basically when there's money to be made, uh, people will do everything they can to make it. And this is um, you know, part of the, the issue with humanity, we can argue right now as well. Um, but if you look at the potential benefits of, uh, of this currency, of the, the technology behind it, um, if you then understand what else we can do in the world and, and what, what problems we can solve, um, not just on, you know, hey, let's get some um, some some Bitcoin so we can uh, personally, hopefully, you know, make a bit of money as, as they go up. But if you understand the, the technology behind it and what that might allow us to do, the world actually can can become a vastly better place, um, dependent on how how things are actually created and how things are used moving forward. Um, if you look at uh, you know the, the likes of quantum computing, if you look, I was looking at protein folding uh, the other day and just just how much that can actually you know improve humanity moving forward. Um, but it takes a lot of processing power. It takes a lot of stuff behind it. But the benefits of doing that and what it can then achieve far outweigh the negativity. 
as long as it achieves it. Um, and this is something that's basically a risk that I think humanity has been going through for um, for, for you know, hundreds of years now with all new technology that, that's created. I think for the very first time, because you know the population of the planet has doubled in the last 50 years, the need for resources um, and, and, and the need to then uh, produce sustainable solutions is only now becoming far, far more. And then there's a balancing act between making money and, and doing good stuff for the planet and um that that's you know that's an open question for i think everyone on, on in the world right now as far as how they react to that um so it's uh, it's an increasingly um important uh, subject that no one's really got right as yet uh, but i very much agree with jen Breve as well which which kind of says that, that that article was obviously you know written from a certain perspective and a certain point of view to point out flaws in something that yes it has flaws but the benefits of it could massively outweigh those flaws as well and it depends on kind of the risk that um, that we want to take right now is that that is that funny thing isn't it all technology it kind of it benefits benefits society as a whole or sorry is that question of does it benefit the individual or benefit society as a whole? And and lots of people have kind of espoused that on an individual level, technology is great. On a societal level, sometimes maybe it's not all that great. Uh, on something like this, you kind of wonder, is it down to governments to step in and look at how we generate electricity like an individual can go right i'm gonna i'm gonna buy uh an electric car i'm going to think about switching to uh a, a green energy supplier i might stop you know we'll come on to some other topics around what what individuals can do but fundamentally if you're you've got a, a tesla but it's 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 guzzling electricity that's produced in in kind of coal emitting or coal burning um power stations it's kind of null and void what the individual's doing right not necessarily, um, as the, the person working for electric vehicle company, let me jump in there. Um, because again, you know, this is something that's been in the press quite a bit. What's the point in having an electric vehicle if the emissions uh, and, and, and resources to actually create it um, are, are, are massive as well? But in the long run, we all know it, it evens out and then it actually gets better. Uh, what's happening with vehicles now is upgradability, massively improving the, the lifespan of vehicles as well. Um, and this is something that, that my company is doing uh, in a huge way um, to then make everything much more sustainable rather than using a car for you know 15 years say and then scrapping it um, there's many other options that are now coming through so it's a much better solution than the diesel and petrol vehicles we use as of today so yes of course it's the, the right thing to do and the way to go it's just that when any new technology is introduced when anything changes the press want to be quite negative in, in their stories because that's get people people writing about it but the the obvious um, benefits of, of this technology far outweigh the current solutions that we have at the moment. Moving on very quickly, uh, I'd be quite interested to see what everyone's reaction to this story is as a, a shock factor. Um, Keisha, you've probably been in meetings where you're told that you, it would be good if you could leave your camera on, right? Because it's, <laughs> it's a good thing to do from a, from a culture point of view to, for people to be able to see each other. And then you read an article where you find out that uh, perhaps leaving your video camera on can increase your carbon footprint by as much as 96%. That was definitely shocking to read. I think it's one of them things, isn't it? It's the, it's the balance between leaving your camera on, as we know, for business, for um, even mental health, being able to connect with others, but also when you're partnering with different companies to be able to build that relationship is so important. So then to hear that, it's like, whoa, <laughs> that's that's a huge, a huge statement and a start in itself. But I think it's that balance thing, and it's again down to the individual, but then also the the wider level of importance. If it's helping mental health and your morale, then it's obviously really important. But on the flip side, obviously what it's doing to the environment is not so great. So 
yeah, it, it's a it's definitely a difficult one coming down to the individual and also then the global level of what's actually happening. I mean, look, it's kind of devil's advocate saying, "Oh, we should turn our cameras off on a on on work meetings." I think that that, as we yeah. said, it's 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 slightly you know, there's there's mental health benefits. I genuinely though, I don't know about anybody else, I always opt for HD. I always opt for HD. Um, I had no idea that HD streaming could make a difference of eighty six percent. Did anyone else know that? Uh, not at all, no. Um, and it's it's something that is it is quite surprising. Um, so we, I, but we're. I think if everyone understands um, the benefits of face-to-face communication, and, and I think they're quite clear, uh, then you know you, you can argue the fact that look, if we're not commuting as much anymore, you know, does it does it even out? Um, I always say just try stuff. I, I, I experimented a couple of weeks ago by just not having a calendar at all for a week, um, and just you know not having meetings, not doing any zooms, and just saying look, if anyone wants to get hold of me, just give me a call, um, and seeing how that works. Uh, it doesn't work, by the way. It was a disaster. But I think as long as people constantly try um, a lot of different stuff to understand the best form of communications, you don't get you know, what's now called Zoom burnout. You don't get uh, the you know mental health issues that a lot of people are now facing by by not interacting with with people enough as well. So I think it's there is no right or wrong uh, rule of how we can communicate. Um, you know, we're all individuals with different emotions and needs. It's kind of part of the brilliance of humanity and the beauty of it. Um, and I think as long as people just constantly try and if they can find something that's a mix of everything, maybe that's the best way. But yeah, I had no idea it was it was that much, and it, it does make mm. you think quite a bit about uh, what we do every day. And I'd say there's two sides to the mental health part or just even body image because some days you're just not feeling like putting the camera on and you shouldn't have to if you're not in the not in the mood or just not feeling it. We've not had our hair done for months, as we all know. So <laughs> some days you just don't want to go on camera and you're not feeling your best self. But on those days where you know you've got a client meeting or you know you're running a webinar as we're all on webinars and things these days and you want to be able to interact as much as possible, then those days maybe you do want to go on. So, again, it is all around that balance and just I think we're all just still figuring out the best ways of communicating and not getting that zoom burnout yeah look with agri-ledger you were uh, you were cut off in 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 the channel islands right so I suppose video communication was really important it was thank god they had actually uh put in the fiber optics and we spent like nine months uh, tr- uh testing and trialing the system with Haiti and the U.S. So for us, um, I think that it's very important to be able to have that communication. Though I have to tell you, I've been thinking part of the problem is somebody hasn't invented yet how to get smell to the computer. I think that's actually the piece that's missing the most in meeting people. Because at least when you're in a meeting, you see them, you hear them. But I think we forgot we smell them also. <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea given the pandemic. I mean, we're talking about the fact that people don't get out their pajamas from the bottom <laughs> off. No, but uh, I think that the, the senses, I think the touch sense and the smell sense is what's really missing and it's causing issues. I think, though, you know, we, we are talking about Zoom videos and we talked about Bitcoin uh, in the aspect of sustainability but we forget to talk about what does it take with all the emails that we're sending also Mm. you know so that is server power that is being used but even though that is happening it is like when the um, industrial revolution started nobody knew that burning coal was going to be so bad for the environment and eventually they started being able to make the adjustments which are needed and I think that's where we will find ourselves also. 
So um, we will learn through this and adjust. And for me, I can't really sort of be against Bitcoin completely because this is technology which is proving mm. what I want to do. Obviously, I am not using the Bitcoin network, but the distributed ledger technology is allowing for people in very diverse uh, technology levels because our farmers do not have smartphones. They don't need smartphones, but they do need to receive information about their goods. They need to receive money. So as long as we can now have a communication system with allows people to know that the truth and can trust that communication medium, you then need to start adjusting how much power do you use for it and how do you get greener. But sustainability has to be balanced in ways with the effectiveness of what you're doing. And if we can let people be happy in their community and not have to come into cities and crowd them and be miserable, that is achieving uh, some sort of happiness. And I think that's the balance. That's a really, really good point. Um, if you look at, you know, the, the population of the world, there's 8 billion people on the planet. Um, I believe still half kind of aren't online. Um, you know, a lot live in, in uh, poverty and, and come from, you know, war zone situations and stuff. And the fact that technology can connect everyone can also spread opportunity uh, through online workplaces and other things like that to people that haven't seen it before. Um, you know, we, as, as, as myself, I'm a 43 year old white male living in London, you know, the, the life that I lead, I've, I've won the lottery essentially and what, what I could have been, uh, my, my situation could have been. And, um, you know, if you take a, a holistic view of, of, of everything that's, that's happening right now, um, the, the fact that, Yes, it might use you know a, a little bit more um, emissions than we we understood, but you know think of someone in the Sudan working in a sweatshop making garments and, and you know sort of thing to then what they can do online you know and and, and actually start to earn opportunity in other ways. It, it's phenomenal when you think about the change that's happening in, in humanity. So it's a really really good point. No, I I think we can all agree that there's. To, to Joe's point, we we have won the lottery. I suppose then, therefore, if there are small changes that we can make that can possibly lessen the impact that we have. I can still enjoy, well, enjoy is a, a loose word, but enjoy watching Newcastle United on the telly. It doesn't have to be in 4K or Ultra HD. Um, it can be in SD and I probably won't miss much because we're terrible anyway. Uh, and it's better for the planet. <laughs> um, anyway, look, last article, Polestar. Um, this might be uh, something that you've got something to say about, Joe, but Polestar um, is is building a zero emission car without the cop-out carbon offsets. I thought this was quite interesting. Um, you obviously are creating a wholly new supply chain, um, kind of a very localized, almost brownfield supply chain around arrivals. So so I imagine this, this was quite an interesting article for you. Yeah, and, and good for them, basically. Um, very good for them. I mean, I want to encourage every company doing anything that, that brings any form of sustainability to the world. Um, when it comes to mobility and transport as well, um, you know, you can look at organizations being deemed a competitor company of arrival lets. I don't think like that at all. I, I want to encourage everyone to to, to, to do, um, you know, create new technology in much better ways. And, and the article specifically was quite interesting because it's something that I felt for a while is that you can offset, you know, uh, the, the carbon you create by paying a bit of money elsewhere. And the, the article was talking about actually that just gives companies an excuse to really not try very hard 
at what they're doing. Um, and so it's great to see uh, an automotive company, especially especially an established automotive company, actually say, hang on, that's not that's not quite right. Um, you know, there is an argument that companies like Tesla and Arrival, let me say now, shouldn't even exist, um, you know, because there's these organizations that have been creating mobility solutions for, for hundreds of years now. Um, and they should be at the forefront of, of what they can do. But because the supply chains uh, you know, haven't changed in 50 years, let's say, because of uh, the lack of innovation when you need to just constantly churn out vehicles from one factory in the middle of nowhere and then ship products all over the world on big container ships. Yeah, that's a huge, huge issue. And, and because it kind of works, it kind of works until it doesn't. And then other companies come around and look at disrupting that um, uh, that industry. So it's, you know, I think the automotive one is almost one of the last ones to kind of fully be properly disrupted nowadays. Um, and we've got to push everything we can at uh, doing this because, um, you know, the world is getting more mobile. Um, the world's getting more connected, as we've seen, but it's also getting more mobile as well. And better mobility solutions are absolutely essential. Um, I find it quite interesting that, um, you know, look at what just happened in the Suez Canal, for example, uh, and all the traffic that got built up. Why are there so many container ships shipping so many things globally? So what arrivals, I don't want to promote arrival too much here, but what we're, we're attempting to do is have everything produced locally using local um, uh, individuals, local employees, local supply chains, local resources uh, to kind of scale up and scale down in, in micro factories, which we can easily do now the, to the ability to build needs for, for the local area, allow that local area to stand on its own two feet. Uh, you know, stop all these kind of weird political things like Brexit massively impacting uh, organizations, um, you know, like big tax imports on goods from overseas. If if you don't have that, it massively reduces emissions, massively reduces complexity, mm. massively reduces costs um, and gives opportunity to, to so many more people. So we just see that as something that, that we, we have to do. And for Polestar especially to, to say that is um, it's fantastic of them uh, to, to, to hear. Um, and I think the article, the specific point the article is making is, you know, is it an offset? Um, to just allowing other companies to uh, to not concentrate on on developing better sustainable technology. Personally, I think yes. That, that actually, article makes a very good point, uh, and it's great for a company to actually call that out and say, actually, we we think that's wrong, and we're going to do something about it. So I think it's fantastic. Joe makes a really good point there about the Suez Canal and, and container ships and us getting products kind of to various different points of the world. Um, obviously, with AgriLegy, it's, it's brilliant that you're giving opportunities to farmers in Haiti. But I suppose there's that there's that consumer consumerization, isn't there? We all expect that to be able to get mangoes or whatever else in the supermarkets at all times of the year. So how how are you kind of thinking about applying that rethinking of the supply chain to make to make businesses say in agriculture more sustainable so, um i think that there is two parts to what we're doing one which is allowing distribution of the wealth back to those local farmers but the next step for us is really working with the companies in between the food companies who are getting this supply are also grappling with being able to be even at the local level we've been talking a lot about originative and it's no secret that uh, Sir Atten, uh, David Attenborough has been talking that the carbon footprint that we have uh, an issue with is also driven by the over-industrialization uh, of farming. So how do we go back to actually regenerative farming? It means that we need to have those producers being able to evidence what they have done, but also creating that safety that is necessary as to the food that gets to us in customer. 
So there are, to me, two different paths because we also need to look at, you know, this was something very interesting that I found the other day. We realized that 80% of the farms in the U.S. are actually smallholder farmers, but they are not able to make a sustainable living because their products sometimes is not recognized as having followed the requirement. Are they making sure that the water that they're using is not contaminated? How do we make sure that that uh, product also gets to the factory and is followed right in the right way? And what we're looking to do is to allow the supply chain to evidence that it has taken all the right steps in the food production so that we as an individual pay the right price for it but also are assured that we're not going to get sick from it. So it's it's a really, it's almost crazy to say we need a renaissance in the food supply chain. And we need a renaissance where we go back to baby and we stop having huge conglomerates. And we then allow for people to actually be able to have a living as a farmer. Because it's very rare to see a single farmer who's able to make it with just his farming. So something is wrong in the equation. Mm. So uh, I think it's something, you know, it's so for us, we really want to work with the technology, but first food to be able to deliver those outcomes, but not only to the customer, but to those also who are part of the supply chain, because it is unfortunately not everything is right. As, as they say, I think, I think for me, the article brought up just how important education is and transport and just what it's actually doing to the environment so I know in the UK um, most of us have cars when you're like 17 18 maybe not in London so much but using the trains and tubes a lot but in other countries they're starting to reward people who are car sharing and actually you know make it better for them making better experience if they are having more people and traveling together whereas here everyone's almost in this car by themselves and just everyone's got their own car and just what that can do to the planet whereas if you're just car sharing so I think a lot of it comes down to education and getting that message out there as well so that was really interesting for me to even read about. I think it's also positive that it's possibly challenging you know I having worked in the recruitment industry for a very long time you know you kind of get asked what are your green credentials and whether or not you've got beehives on the roof or whether or not you're planting trees and whatever else and there is an element it kind of feels like of calling out on maybe greenwashing and that's not to say that those aren't good positive things that organizations can do but doing that and then saying hey we do this we're sustainable we're good for the environment isn't enough right cool it's um green theater in, in some ways as well where it's just um you know it, it, there's no depth to what a lot of uh, a lot of organizations are, are trying um there's a new term that's coming up called diversity theater now which is basically a lot of diversity and dni rules and regulations companies are adopting are actually not having any positive impact but people still push it um and hire diversity leaders and stuff but then don't listen to to anything that they say it's just there because the world demands it and it's so wrong um it really is um um, education, yeah, 100%. We, we, we need to get better. We need to understand um, how to, to kind of live in the future. Um, and, and we need to adopt uh, policies globally um, that 
enact positive change, where we can see positive change through data um, and not just have people's opinions tell us what we should do. Um, because I think a lot of us, we're getting a bit tired. You know, we, we've seen all this um, this stuff before where we're trying to put in um, procedures and, and, and um, events or whatever it might be to look at being more sustainable, to increase you know, the, 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 the world being a better place. And a lot of them just completely and utterly fail. Um, and that's kind of what the, I guess, subtly that, that article is kind of pointing to. Um, and it's something that, you know, we as a group of people need to tackle. I'm not the first person to say this. I certainly won't be the last person to say it. But still, we haven't really seen anyone do it in, in, in the right way. And, um, and that's what we should all be thinking about. Do you think that the new generation, though, is much more aware? Um, because they are, you know, I, I think um, the Greta, I call it the Greta effect, is not limited to just the um to her uh, her efforts i we are seeing a lot more of the youths coming out around the world saying i don't feel comfortable with this i think that they also are growing up with much more information available to them so one of the things that joe you talked about is the availability of data to help us make those choices my generation i feel has grown up with being told what i need to think versus taking data and making a decision based on that. I'm I'm a maverick in that way, but most of my generation waits to be told and led in a certain way. What I like uh, is with the new generation, they are finding information and they are driving it. And that was, has been seen with the Black Lives Matters, with the diversity pushes to say, yes, you're calling for diversity or you're calling for green, but these are the things that are not happening and therefore you need to change. And they are willing to go out there and protest. Where I And so that makes me much more hopeful that we will see some changes down the road. I don't know if you've heard of the term, but there's reverse mentoring happening now, which I think is great. Whereas most companies would, you know, have a very senior, older type of employee mentor, a younger one who doesn't have too much experience with the business or anything like that. Now, a lot of people are reversing it, where the younger generation are teaching the older people what modern technology is, how to embrace it, how to think, how to act. And that's really, really powerful because you're exactly correct. I, I think that the younger generation does have a different, better attitude when it comes to understanding how the world should be working and what, what they should be doing. Um, it's good to see I, I, uh, personal vehicle ownership is actually massively decreasing uh, across the world because um, more people are you know living in cities where you might not need a vehicle and it's an expensive product as well. Is anyone actually going to own a vehicle in 10 years' time? Is it all going to be kind of on-demand sorts of solutions? This is what we look at. But also, to Genevieve's point, um, you, know, you used to base vehicles on like their 0 to 60 performance time and that's what people talk about now they're talking more about their, their miles per gallon um, and, and things like that as well which is more important to them than speed and that's it's a little thing but little things like that actually have a massive step change in, in people's attitudes to actually think in the right way we're out of time uh, i want to thank you all for joining me on this episode very quickly before we go case if someone's interested in personal branding how would they get in touch with you get in touch with me on linkedin best place to find me so case shake on linkedin uh, Genevieve, how would people contact you and, and maybe find out a bit more about AgriLedger? Uh, all our taglines on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram are at AgriLedger. And uh, through that, you can find me. And I'm very active in talking about the different issues. Thank you.
and Joe. Uh, Joe at arrival.com. Send me a message. Nice and simple. Right. Okay. Look, thank you all for your time and enjoy the rest of your day.